Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today, Joe Anhalt returns to the pod for our 100th episode. Can you believe that? We made it this far. We cover a lot of ground. Him living back in New York again, this time in Brooklyn, cultural and technology trends, and bringing back our iconic Bieber talk and Would You Rather segments from our radio show back at DePaul. For this special episode, we brought it back. Uh, we used to host, co-host a show together at Radio DePaul called The Afternoon Snack with Rich and Joe. So we're going to bring back some of these uh, some of these things we used to do, kind of uh, look back on this time. Joe then flips the script and asks me what I've learned from doing 100 episodes so far. So sit back and enjoy. This was a lot of fun to record. You can follow Joe at Joe from Normal. Actually, so something we discussed today is how he's done some digital spring cleaning and removed followers. So we discussed his thought process about this. This is a great episode. It's the 100th episode. Let's begin. All right. So this is a very special episode, not only because it's the 100th episode of the podcast, but Joe Anhalt is with us. I thought, who better to have as the 100th episode as Joe Anhalt? You can catch him on episode, I believe, 39 and 53, but he's here for 100. What an honor. What an honor. And congrats to you, Rich. 100 episodes. I feel like you need to... uh... Take a photo like Will Chamberlain with the with the hundred point game <laughs> uh, and post it on Instagram. Uh, also, that's not noticed, a bad idea. I should do that. Have you have you noticed that um, even if you don't score hundred points, you still can do this? Like Devin Booker did it when he hit eighty, and then um, who's the dude from the Celtics that just like scored sixty and tied a franchise record? And he did it like with the with Will Chamberlain. Yeah, and I'm like. Uh, that seems kind of cheap, guess, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the 80. Like, 80 is pretty remarkable. 60, I guess it's just because it's a franchise high and it ties Larry Bird. But I feel like I feel like it should be at least, like, 70, 80. Like, yeah. 60, I feel like it's just too – not that it's, you know, an easy feat to achieve, but – I mean, 100 is 100. 100 is 100. That's three I mean, digits. Yeah. 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 If you're scoring 100 these days, you better be, yeah. So describe your living situation of 2020. You're now back in New York. Uh, what what do you miss most or what do you like most about being back? And did anything surprise you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so when COVID hit in March, I obviously didn't know what the heck was going on, like most people. And uh, the thought of being stuck in downtown Manhattan in my tiny one bedroom just wasn't super exciting. And um, so I got out of there as quick as I could uh, and went to Chicago. So the silver lining of uh, the pandemic or one of them for me was being able to uh, go back to Chicago and essentially move in with my long distance girlfriend um, and spend, yeah, a a lot of time uh, and get very close with her. So we went from, yeah, long distance relationship, New York to Chicago to living together in, uh, in Chicago. 
and uh, yeah, it, it, it made us stronger. Um, it, it was, it was really great to, to have somebody to go through that experience with. Obviously times were tough, but having somebody to, to be there literally all day, every day was, was nice. Um, and, um, yeah, February of this year. Um, so yeah, for, I, I guess like March through like July, I was basically in Chicago. And then after July, I was going back and forth between, um, between Chicago and New York and February of this year, I convinced Kylie to move back to New York, which is where we first met and, uh, and start a relationship. Uh, and so now we're back in New York full time, uh, but in Brooklyn. So I was in Manhattan, I'm in Brooklyn and, mm. um, yeah, it's great. I love being back. Uh, e even during a pandemic, there was a different level of energies between New York and Chicago. Um, and, and you could feel it. Um, you know, obviously New York wasn't the exact same uh, pandemic versus pre-pandemic, but um, yeah, you, you could still feel a shift of, of energy okay. uh, again, coming from like Chicago to New York. And yeah, when I came back, uh, it was, it was just like this wave flowing over me again. And it was almost like moving to New York for a second time. Um, I got like jittery and excited and also doing it with, you know, yeah. Um, my girlfriend, you know, that's, that's a huge step, you know, moving cross country. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a new place for either of us. She had lived here for five years. I was, I've been here for three years now. Um, but yeah, you know, officially joining our lives together. And it was, um, it was great. It, it was pretty funny. A few things that surprised me. One was there were times, uh, especially in February where I wasn't spending a lot of time outside of the apartment that I forgot I was back in New York. Um, ah. just because, uh, New York like is iconic for its and, and known for it's like super small apartments. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pandemic there's, there's been this huge move away from cities. Uh, people have been moving out, uh, to the suburbs or places like Austin or Denver or all these like second, third tier cities. And so for people in New York, who've been able to stay here, you've really been able to kind of level up your living situation at <laughs> such a discounted rate. So we were able to cash in on the COVID rental prices. We moved dead of winter during a pandemic and got a really amazing spot um, and a big place. And so that's why I still felt like I was in Chicago because I was in this big space in New York, uh, which is just unheard of. Um, but now with the pandemic, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, all my friends, coworkers have moved and everyone is just like leveling up their places because you're getting three, four months free rent and discounted monthly rent as well. So another, yeah, another kind of silver lining of, of a, you know, terrible, terrible situation. I can't, you know, um, overstate how terrible it's been. Uh, but if, if you're staying in a big city, uh, and your lease is up, you get to cash in on a, on a really cheap uh, and nice place, which is what, what we did. Um, so that was, that was surprising. Um, and yeah, so what's, it's, it's crazy that. What's, what would you say the difference between living in Brooklyn versus Manhattan is like? Yeah. So especially downtown Manhattan is just, it's like, it's the densest place in America by a long shot. And it's just so convenient. And Brooklyn, while it's, it's not as dense and it's not as convenient, it's still probably second to Manhattan. 
Um, so maybe there's only like one bodega on your street as opposed to two or three. Maybe there's only like one pizza spot uh, on your street or maybe things close like an hour or two sooner, right? So you do get a little bit more space. It isn't as congested. Um, those, are, those are the big things that you immediately notice if you're, let's say, walking around downtown Manhattan and then you go to um, even like a Williamsburg, which is the most gentrified at this point. Um, but around where I live, um, Fort Greene, Prospect, Prospect Park, downtown Brooklyn, um, you do have a little bit more space to breathe. Now, if you're coming from another city and you go to Brooklyn, you probably still think, wow, there's so many people, it's so dense. Uh, but again, if you're coming from Manhattan to Brooklyn, it's all relative, uh, you yeah. get that. Yeah, exactly. You get more space. Um, your money goes a little bit farther. Um, but some of that convenience isn't, uh, yeah, isn't as readily available. For me, I do miss like the slice places uh, in, in my spot in Chinatown, Lower East Side. I had uh, two really good spots that were walking distance, Scar's Pizza and then Williamsburg Pizza. Um, yeah. And I, my pizza place now is just like not as good. And also closes at like 11 p.m. on weekdays and like midnight on weekends. So, so um, Carlita's yeah. been on the, this uh, this program before, and mm -hmm. she compares Brooklyn more to Chicago than than Manhattan in a way. Yeah, I could see that, um, especially the the more residential neighborhoods in Brooklyn. So my okay. New neighborhood, Fort Greene, which is really close to Clinton Hill, Bed-Stuy, um, downtown Brooklyn, is very residential. It's it's almost like, <clears throat> I've thought about this too, in, in Chicago, it's, maybe it's maybe it's like the Roscoe Village. Um, oh, okay. So it's, uh, you know, very residential, a lot of nice family homes, younger families, but not as stroller heavy as, let's say, like a Lincoln Park. Um, mm -hmm. but not as young as like a Lakeview, right? It's, it's that yeah. good like balance of younger families, younger couples, but still like great restaurants, great bars, a really nice park that, that we get to walk to on a daily basis to kind of stretch our legs. Um, it, it really is a, a great mix of, of all those things and still pretty close to the city. Um, that's the other thing about Brooklyn is it's, it's tough if you like have friends in the city, especially like Upper East, Upper West, or like um, uh, West Village, you know, it, it does take some time to commute there. Okay. Um, but you know, everything everything has its its pros and cons. Um, we're we're really happy with with our neighborhood. I I can't re recommend it, you know, enough. And I'm excited to show you around next time you're in town. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, do you ever overhear like sports talk in New York? And what's what do you hear more about the Brooklyn Nets or the the New York Knicks? We got uh, Thibodeau coaching the Knicks yeah. now, who is a former Bulls coach in the Rose years. What you know? And we're saying this. I'm asking you this too. Uh, a day after my Milwaukee Bucks beat the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, uh, and Giannis put up 49 points. So I saw that. Um, I don't. Um, like my, my friend group, they're not the biggest of sports fans. I do hang out and actually started like a weekly basketball run with some friends, but I'd say it's more like general NBA talk. Okay. Um, but from kind of general NBA talk and even like the national consensus, it seems like the Knicks are getting more play. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just how it's going to be for a, a long while. The Knicks as a franchise, as a brand, 
have just so much more going for them. They so have, the brand is bigger than the star power of Brooklyn individually. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you think about it, the, the, the Nets are still a relatively new team and they really haven't had any success up until this year. Right. But yeah. Well, um, and the Knicks too. Well, the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks have, have been an iconic franchise. Forever. Right. I mean, they've been shitty for a while, but at least they have, um, I mean, it, it's Madison Square Garden. It's the Knicks. Yeah. It's, yeah, they could be the worst team in the league, but like if you get courtside seats to the Knicks, I mean that's that's on my bucket list, right? To like sit courtside at a Knicks game, like sitting courtside at a Nets game. Like even if you have like KD, Kyrie, um, you know, you could have every A-list player in the league, but courtside Knicks, like next to Spike Lee, I mean that that's so much. That's just so much cooler than Barclays and Brooklyn, and they yeah. just they just haven't. They just haven't had the the tenure. They have they don't have the history yet, like the yeah. Knicks do. So, um, and as much as I want to like the Nets, and I live you know a fifteen minute walk from Barclays, it's still like MSG, man. It's 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 iconic. I mean, it's that's you know that's where every NBA player yeah. shows up to to play his best game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if the Nets do pull off a championship this year or next. Uh, it, it's going to do a little bit for the franchise, but it's going to take decades for them to even compete with the Knicks on, let's say, like a brand level and a, um, yeah, just like the cool factor. Like the the, so the Knicks are just. It's almost the exact same of like Clippers Lakers in a way. Yeah, yeah. but even more so because the <clears throat> what's crazy about that is the Clippers and Lakers play in the same arena. Um, That's true. Uh, so that's kind of crazy that the Lakers are so far ahead of the Clippers, but I mean, also the, the Lakers are just dominant in terms of championships, trophies, yeah. and, um, and star power. The Knicks, they really don't dominate in terms of trophies or yeah. success, but they, they just dominate in, yeah, in that, in that brand value and, and like the coolness. And I, yeah, I can't, can't underscore that enough. Like Spike, courtside, the history, the tradition, uh, even like people coming in there and playing their best games, like MJ yeah. dropping the double nickel, even like James Harden dropping 60 plus. <clears throat> what was that last year, the year before? Um, everyone just shows up. It's, it really is. I'd say that in Staples, right, is uh, the premier arena and everyone wants to show up there. Yeah. And everybody wants to be seen there and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Again, like courtside Knicks, like that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> for sure uh, a bucket list uh so now that spring's kind of coming into bloom here is there something that excites you oh so much excites me i mean i feel like everyone is just excited to pop off this this spring summer right i mean roaring 20s especially new york city uh i mean if, if you're not excited to get out and try to establish a sense of normalcy and be with your friends and family and just be out and about and enjoy the simple things in life. And this past weekend was probably my most normal weekend since the, since the pandemic um, where I wasn't like doing a road trip or something with, with friends. Um, and it was just like, yeah, like went for a bike ride in Prospect Park, went to the farmer's market went to the park with a group of friends. We just like sat there uh, and just stayed there way too long. And then kind of meandered about back to Brooklyn and caught up uh, for dinner, like uh, next to the park, sat outside. And it was just like, 
yeah, I'm just excited for, for those moments. Uh, and I think everyone else is, right? I don't think there's anything different about me being in New York than you being in Chicago or somebody else being in rural America. They're excited just to have spring and summer in those moments. Yeah. And when you're outside too, you don't, you, don't, you don't see the masks as often. You don't see the social distancing as often. So there is more normalcy to it. And I remember, I remember feeling that back uh, last year, spring, summer. So I'm just excited for that. And mm-hmm. New York too is just, I feel like, there's, there's, everyone keeps talking about these, this pent up demand, this pent up energy, and, and you can really feel that uh, vibrate across uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan, whatever borough you in, you're in, you can, you can definitely feel it, and, and people are excited for, for the spring and summer. Yeah. Do you think the way you you said the word normal? Do you think normal? The word normal, it's like on its own. Does it take yeah. on like a new? Uh, connotation the way like like the pound sign became the hashtag and it like represents Mm. or it's like something else now in people's heads do you think the word normal ever like changes the meaning of the word yeah i think people are definitely going to think about it in a different light (laughs) that's for sure um and what they think of normal and I imagine people's new definition of normal will be a very basic version, right? It'll be very much um, just kind of back to basics of let's just have a conversation or let's meet inside or let's yeah. grab coffee. And yeah, ev- everyone's definition of normal has, has been shook. It'll be interesting to see how, how long that lasts, um, yeah. this kind of new wave of normal. But yeah, it, I think it's definitely just normal is, is just appreciating the simpler things in life. Uh, and, and yeah, doing those mundane things that we all took for granted. And Mm -hmm. now that's, that's the new normal. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, how long that lasts, that when people say normal, it comes with so much more weight, uh, and we'll see how, how long that weight stays on people's shoulders. Um, I think people will be able to shake it off quicker than we all might imagine. Um, yeah, at least I hope so. Yeah. Uh, what type of content are you consuming lately? Um, <clears throat> what am I consuming like most of? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's been this way for a while now. It's been, uh, I'd say like Instagram for sure. And then, uh, and then like, and then movies, I'm a big movie guy. And especially like with Oscar season wrapping up, um, I was watching a lot of movies. I, I downloaded this app called Letterboxd, which is uh, for like movie fans. And it basically you're able to just like, it's like a, a diary of all the movies you're watching and you can review them and see what other people are watching. And um, there are a few podcasts that I, uh, that I follow. They always talk about it. And uh, it, yeah, it's just fun to, to document things. And for some reason, the, the past year I, I've been, um, yeah, just getting into like documentation, uh, whether it's uh, using Instagram or Twitter or my own personal like notes or or photos on my phone and just documenting certain things. Um, what? Why is example, that? I don't know. I I I enjoy like social media platforms like the Twitters and Instagrams of the world because it kind of, it basically forces you to create like a visual diary or, or a text diary. That, that's, that's really what it is. And I think it's so cool to look back 
and and see like what you were doing six, twelve, or like five, six years ago, um, just to like reminisce and reflect. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's cool. Um, and I've also been trying to uh, be better about doing more things like analog. And so I did this um, not experiment, but just maybe exercise where I, I've I've always wanted to print every photo in my iPhone for a year and put it into a book. Oh, you've mentioned this. Yeah. Um, yeah. E even if it's like a screenshot, just because I love, again, I just, I'm a visual guy. I love looking through photos or videos or, or looking at photos or, or watching movies, YouTube clips, things like that. But I, I, I don't love being on a device all day, every day. And I do that, right. Because mm -hmm. I'm a millennial. I work in e-commerce. Um, I'm just attached to, to my phone and computers and things like that. So, I just thought, oh, like, what if I could bring the scrolling of your iPhone photos to um, to a book or to an analog device? And so um, it turns out I take a lot of photos and I'm sure everyone takes a lot of photos. So it's like thousands upon thousands of photos. Yeah. Um, not super interesting to put into a book. So I um, picked my favorite photos from 2020. I think it, I ended up with like 250 or 300 um, and just put them in a book through Artifact Uprising. Um, and just labeled it iPhone 2020. It actually turned out really nicely. Um, they're like full bleed, like good quality. Um, it looks like a coffee table book. Um, and it's fun just to like flip through it um, every now and again and, and not have to be on a device. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's fun. And so I wanna try to do that for as long as I can. So maybe at some point, five, 10, 20 years from now, I can show it to my kids and they're able to flip through it and you know, as cliche as it is, you know, um, what's the saying? Like images, uh, a thousand words or something. What's the saying, Rich? A picture says a thousand words. A picture, yeah, a, picture uh, says a, a thousand words or something. Uh, picture says a thousand words or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, it, it turned out really nicely. I, I hope to continue doing that over the over the next few years. But, um, but yeah, content-wise, again, like I'm just always on Instagram like all day, every day. And um, like, I think most people are, uh, and then movies as well, mainly okay. in part two to letterbox um, and just documenting that. And uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, yeah. And not much else going on during the pandemic. <laughs> so you mentioned Instagram. Uh, Joe's oh. Instagram is like one of the most tasteful accounts that I follow. It's very like oh, intentional wow. and it looks, aesthetically pleasing it has a certain like uh what do you call it certain composition to the photos mm -hmm. and um the colors and you mentioned like the last time we were together you mentioned something that was really interesting and while everybody wants their accounts to have a lot of followers what yeah you said you're doing is you're kind of uh um what is it pillaging no uh Purging. purging you're purging followers yeah so you're yeah. you're you're becoming more exclusive into who you let into your life or or yeah see your life and what you're doing uh can you can you elaborate more on that for listeners and viewers yeah uh happy to and first thank you i appreciate that uh I, i've definitely come <laughs> a long way it's and I'm sure everyone could do this too. If you look back to the start of Instagram, everyone's using these like really cheesy filters with like overexposure. 
and these like oblique angles and like just like cliche Instagram one on one. Um, and yeah, I just archive those. So I still have them and I still go back yeah. and look at them all the time, but not to like my, my public profile. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say the past like few years, I've tried to, and it's, it's interesting. I feel like I'm always talking about like analog life versus digital life. And in my, in my like real analog physical life, I've, uh, I think it was like 20, 14 or 15, I think we were still living together, Rich, uh, on Byron. I read uh, Mori Kondo's life-changing magic, tidying up, whatever whatever that book is. Um, okay. And she talks about, uh, yeah, basically kind of purging your, your life's material possessions and only holding on to those things that bring you joy. Um, and so using that as just like a very simple um, framework, I, I've tried to apply that to my digital life as well. And one of the, the first places I wanted to do that is my social media accounts. And um, especially like LinkedIn is a great example. Like mm. when, when that platform was like coming out and you're like a young uh, professional trying to like figure out what you're doing and you're just like LinkedIn with like, like these random people um, and you haven't spoken to them in like five plus years, like you probably don't need to be connected to them on LinkedIn, right? So just like, if you haven't spoken to them in like multiple years, or uh, if you have a uh, closet full of clothes and you haven't worn that in a year or two, chances are you probably don't need to have that item in your closet. Same thing, chances are you don't need to be connected to that person on, on LinkedIn. And just because it's not taking up physical space, um, you know, you, you can see the physical changes in your closet, in your home. Um, you can, it, it still feels good like to unfollow people on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and just kind of do a little spring cleaning, do some tidying up. Okay. Um, and uh, it's been great. Uh, and and I, I've been doing that every now and again. And I, I come to find myself just on random nights scrolling through Instagram and seeing who am I following and who's following me? And do I really want to interact with this person's content? Is it bringing me value? If not, then I'll unfollow them uh, or I'll, I'll choose for them to, to unfollow me. And I, I um, turn to a private account just because again, like I, I just like want to know the, the people who I'm, um, who I'm following and, and who are following me. And, and also I feel like that's also my personality. Like I know by this point, you know, I'm like 32 years old. Like I am an introvert at heart. And just being wide open digitally just like doesn't really match my personality. And so that's, I feel like I'm getting closer to who I really am in the real world on my like digital, um, digital profiles. Uh, and so it, it's been a little bit of soul searching and, and trying to better showcase who I am in the real world on the digital world, but I obviously don't think I do very well at all because my like Instagram feed, as you alluded to, is like super curated and like very artsy and fartsy. But if you get to know me, you know that I'm, you know, very casual, very laid back. I'm always joking around, never really take things too seriously. But if you were to see my Instagram profile, you would, you would think the exact opposite. So, um, but I also don't think Instagram is like the best way to, to showcase that. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I just love the idea of a, a spring cleaning and applying that digitally and doing a digital spring clean. Um, and, and just being a bit more thoughtful as to who you're following, who's following you, is it bringing value? Um, and I've never, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who have befriended strangers on the internet and have built fruitful and long lasting relationships. But if I'm not gonna do that in the real world, doing it online, I'm just not gonna do that either. I, I'm just, again, if I'm at a party by myself, it's hard for me to walk up to people and introduce myself. Um, and I'm probably not gonna do that in a digital realm either. So um, yeah, it, it's been a shift for the past few years, but I really liked it. Um, it's, it's been a fun exercise and yeah, I encourage all the readers, all the listeners to, to do a little digital spring cleaning themselves and, and see, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I know you've been uh, a big Apple supporter for a long while and, but you oh, don't yeah. use their software. How do you no. like, how do you go about like choosing the software or the apps that you use? And uh, is there, is there any software or apps that you use most at home and work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Apple is, by far the best like hardware company out there like they are a product like company like yeah if you think about their all their product releases back to when steve jobs was still around it was always a new physical hardware device whether it was the uh the ipad the iphone um these days like they just relaunched like new imax things like that like their physical products right they have um industrial designers, you know, Johnny Ive was uh, a staple there for his design and it was primarily product design. Um, and I think they, they put more time, effort, resources into product design as opposed to software design. Um, and so I, I do think that other firms out there, particularly Google, uh, who are hard software companies are better at it. Than, than Apple because they were started as a software company. Google uh, started as a, a search software um, and then they got into Gmail and now they're into G Suite, uh, which I happen to love. Uh, and I think it's a superior product than um, Apple's pages or um, whatever their spreadsheet is. I have no yeah. idea, uh, but Microsoft Excel is just miles ahead of, of Apple. Um, and, uh, and also when I was starting out in my career uh, and have been, I've just always worked for early stage startups. And the, uh, the software tool for early stage startups is the G Suite, is Gmail, is Google Docs, is um, even like Google Slides and things like that. So my professional life, my personal life runs on Google software, but on an Apple, um, Apple device, the iPhone, which is one of the, I think, cleanest and best design products that is and and has been um, ever created um, and it, it's pretty crazy how successful the iPhone has been from its yeah. from its start and continues to be um, yeah. it, it really is it really is crazy um, but yeah I've been an, I've been an Apple fanboy and I really only use um, in terms of like Apple software I use iMessage just because you kind of have to mm -hmm. um, I use notes uh, the weather app Love their weather app. Um, and then kind of their photos. But honestly, I do tend to use um, Google Photos more. And then, yeah, for all my other software, it's 
Gmail, Chrome, Google Maps. I mean, Google Maps is also like 10x better than Apple Maps. Yeah, for sure. Um, even though I have heard that it's gotten better, I just have been using Google Maps for my entire life. So I'm not yeah. going to switch over at this point. Um, obviously, Google Search, um, the cloud. Uh, yeah, I, I primarily use um, do you Do Google you software. use iCloud? I do, but just to back up all my um, like iMessages and photos, um, um, that's that's pretty much it. Everything every every time like when I start a new document, whether it's like a Word doc or um, a, a spreadsheet, I'll just go into Google Drive and just start doing it from there. And then I use uh, the Drive uh, app on my phone too. Um, How do you? You're talking yeah. about um, documentation and stuff before. How do you? Yeah. Something I'm thinking about and trying to organize is the digital organization of files in my life. Like, um, you know, you could have like a, a physical copy, although that's not kind of a rare thing now, but I'm paranoid. Like I'll use an external hard drive and then I want to put it somewhere yeah. in the cloud. I want like multiple sources of where everything is, but then it's like, oh, that yeah. one's updated, but I forgot to do that one. And you know, it's, do you have any strategy for how you go about uh, organizing digitally? Yeah, well, my digital assets, files, whatever, uh, much more simpler than yours because you pretty much like a media agency at this point. Um, yeah. You know, with your podcast, your your videos, um, and and everything else. So I, I imagine you have to pay for iCloud or Google storage yeah. and yeah, back up everything there and then have your own external hard drives. Um, and that's what I remember when I was taking uh, a lot more like photography, obviously uh, takes up a lot of space and I had an external and this was before the, I'd say mass adoption of like iCloud and Google drive. And I lost my external and just like crushed me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's kind of what, um, I guess, yeah, inspired me to, to get iCloud so I could back up all my photos. But most of the assets and media that I care about are photos that I take, which are backed up on iCloud now and Google Storage. So I pay for both of those monthly fees. Um, but I don't have anything external. Uh, it, it really is in the cloud, but it, it, up, it updates, I think, on a daily basis. Um, I have an update. Um, but yeah, for, for like media agencies and moguls such as yourself, yeah, I imagine that's that's a tricky process, but, um, and probably an expensive one. Maybe it's getting expensive for like yeah. hosting and like media storage through, do you use iCloud or, or Google? I, um, let's see, I have Dropbox, iCloud. Okay. I, I do have a Google one, but I, I might have to increase it soon. That's why I'm trying to figure all this out. And then uh, in the yeah. fall, I upgraded, I bought two external hard drives, one. Yeah one's filling up very quickly um yeah this is just, just a yeah. lot of stuff data storage it's it's no joke yeah i can't imagine like what um i think people who like create tv shows or movies yeah. and like how they store all those files and things like that those are like massive massive files um but it, it is interesting it really is like library of information right uh, and how do you document things and categorize things? Um, and also the naming of files. Like, do you, do you have a specific way you, you name your files? I know a lot of art directors and designers do this with their 
different variations, but, but do you have, um, yeah, a system in place of, of naming all of your content and files? Sort of. I'm, I, I'm becoming more, more and more aware of the benefit of doing it. Um, yeah. But it could always get better. Like I, that's not something yeah. I'm good at. Like with my personality and stuff, <laughs> organization is yeah. not great. Um, yeah. But I just know in my head where, where things are going through like all these rabbit holes of folders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it could get better. Um, so I, I'm work. curious about I, that question. Yeah. 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 I wish I had more more experience in that but and that, that's my, something too where it's uh go ahead no no i you you just have a much more complicated library of, of content than i do it's stuff like that too it's so important but when you're doing it it feels like you're just wasting your time because there's no like concrete yeah like, effect of your work in a way and it's it, so it's like i'd rather spend my time doing this rather than like organizing all my files so that it's clear and ready to go for anybody's use and yeah but that's i feel like that's kind of like the process you know like athletes always talk about practicing or like yeah. loving the process like i feel like that's part of the process of becoming a, becoming a pro right that that like separates you from the wannabe podcasters the wannabe youtube people right it, it's those small things it's those day-to-day -day things yeah um that do set you apart and that's something that i've been trying to apply uh in in my professional life um with my team is like doing those things mm -hmm. that make you feel and look like a professional right it's it's mm -hmm. almost kind of like faking it until you make it um uh and and i feel like that's a good example of like yeah just executing the process of like naming the files organization again, like that's not mm. going to show up in the stat sheet, but maybe that's going to separate you from again, all these wannabe podcasters, these wannabe yeah. YouTubers, um, which I think you do so well in so many other, other areas with, uh, with your, your YouTube channel and your podcast. Like I can, I can see the professionalism improve almost on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really is that that process and those like nitty gritty details that no one wants to do, but it uh, it shows up um, in the long run. I feel. Yeah, the process, the process, the process, the process. Uh, Trust the process. We talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, uh, Nick Saban has been a big influence oh, yeah. on me recently, and like that's his entire thing is the process. I think I, I think I listened to that pod. Was it Sabin and Pete Carroll? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. What one was that? Well, shout out for the readers. Uh, somewhere in the seventies, probably episodes in the seventies. Um, Got it. Yeah. I don't have it memorized on me. It's uh, you can find it in YouTube too, under the books section. Um, yeah. The process. Is there something culturally that you're like overhearing on the ground or, you know, some of the maybe like circles you're in or people you follow on Twitter mm -hmm. that you think will pick up like nationally and become mm -hmm. more of a, a trend or something bigger? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there's two things that I that I thought about. Um, one is one is a little weird, but something that I've been talking about with with my friends and a few colleagues, and um, I I think it's safe to say that gay culture is now mainstream culture. Gay culture is mainstream culture. Yeah, and um, even even like last week, I don't know if you saw this, but um, one of the former bachelors, Colton Underwood, came out as gay. Okay. Um, and it really just didn't make that many waves um, in in kind of the uh, yeah in in the social spheres, and and also I feel um, like gay sassy instagram celebrities like mm. everyone likes them you know it's it's not just females anymore it's yeah it's it's masculine males who can um not only relate but enjoy that type of content and that type mm. of media um one of my good friends not good friends but one of my friends in new york he is yeah now like this huge instagram celebrity he's called <laughs> bloody puffin and he just comments on um, you know, like the Oscars and um, different TV shows and just kind of his life. And yeah, he's this very flamboyant gay guy, but appeals to a wider audience. Um, and it's yeah. just not not as taboo as it once was, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But you're starting to see it come into mainstream culture, I'd say even even more now. Um, and with the rise of, of transgender and all these even more niche movements, um, yeah, like, like being, being gay, being lesbian, being bi, um, it just doesn't turn as, as many heads anymore, right? It's not as progressive. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to uh, a podcast last week, um, uh, Bowen Yang and, and Matt Rogers, Bowen's on SNL and one of his best friends, Matt, they had this podcast called Las Culturistas and they kind of said uh, a, a similar anecdote um, okay. about how they're just like, Oh, like we're just gay, but like that doesn't like really mean anything anymore, right? Yeah. The the kind of stereotypical gay person that was on like a Glee type of show like five seven years ago, that's just kind of like baseline these days. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. I think that shows we're progressing. I think um, people are more open minded, um, and now we're seeing uh, a lot of um, yeah, like the the taboo conversations are moving to transgender, which it seems like those conversations are eerily similar to what we were talking about with the gay community um, mm -hmm. five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and I think it's going to follow a, a, a similar path. We just don't know what we we're scared of what we don't know and what we don't understand. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know and don't understand the transgender movement. I mean, me personally, I'm still trying to understand or wrap my, my head around it, but I, I feel and see a lot of similarities uh, to um, yeah, to, to gay culture and, and to, to gay America. And I think, yeah, it's gonna follow a, a, similar, a similar trajectory, but um, I think it's great because I, I, I was raised in a, a dominantly like female household who loves theater and thespians and, and gay culture. And, uh, and I've just always gravitated towards, um, towards that and to that humor, uh, whether it was, um, the Birdcage with Robin Williams, or um, uh, more recently with like Schitt's Creek, like the main character on that, he um, identifies as I think pansexual. So basically, 
I think his, his famous quote in, in Schitt's Creek is he likes the wine, not the label. Um, and he, he uh, Dan Levy is gay. Um, and he just did this movie like Happiest Season with uh, Kristen Stewart, who's bisexual. Kate McKinnon, I'm a huge fan of. She's gay on SNL. Bowen Yang is also an SNL guy. He's also gay. And um, yeah, it, it just, I just feel like they're, it, um, gay culture is now mainstream and, and I love it. I think we're all, I think we're all here for it. I think everyone's a little gay and embracing their, <laughs> embracing their gayness is, is a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, at the end of last year, you were out in Arizona. Can you describe yeah. that trip and and what you learned from it? Whether it's you know, learn about yourself or learn about the great land of Arizona. Oh, uh, and I actually remember talking. I went down there with um, with Kylie for for New Year's. Um, we just needed to get out of Chicago and wanted some sun, and and I love the desert and. Um, I just love finding like random remote places and Airbnb is a great tool for that, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we found this like cute little bungalow, like studio, one bedroom ish apartment, not apartment, but like house in Oracle, Arizona. Shout out to Oracle. Uh, Oracle is a, I actually don't even think it's the town anymore. Um, it's about 45 minutes Northeast of uh, Tucson, Arizona. So we flew into Tucson. Okay rented a car and drove there. Um, and it was, uh, it was, a, it was the best vacation of my life. And I remember, Oh, really? Yeah. I remember talking to Kylie, like wow. after this was over, I was like, that was like the best vacation I've ever been on. Um, and I'm sure a lot of it had to do with, it was like the first vacation during COVID. Um, and it was everything that I wanted. I selfishly planned a lot of it. <laughs> um, but it was, um, yeah, it was, it was everything I wanted. It was uh, in the Southwest in the desert. So the climate was great. It was like 55, 60 and sunny every day. Um, we woke up with the sun. We made breakfast with, you know, like fresh ingredients and got this amazing um, like green salsa from like a dingy Mexican spot, like right where we landed. Um, we, uh, we went on a hike each day. Uh, we went to Saguaro National Park, which is beautiful. There was a state park about five minutes away. We like walked around the town. I'm making air quotes because it was just like this, like, I think maybe there were like 2,200 people, maybe less. Um, but there was like a local cafe that we went to a, a couple times. And uh, at night we cooked um, every meal. Uh, we made some really, really good food. Um, but we, we had this like, just like beautiful kind of schedule. We'd get up again, make breakfast, um, go for a hike or do an exercise, come back for a late lunch, have like a cocktail, maybe play cards or listen to music and watch the sunset over the mountains. And then we'd, uh, prep dinner, cook dinner, clean, um, and then go to bed early and do the, do the same thing for, uh, for the next day and did that for four or five days. And it was, it was great. It wasn't too short. It wasn't too long. Um, and it was perfect. And it was just so simple. It was, it was almost like camping. Like when you're camping and hiking, your life becomes very simple, right? It's basically um, get up, make breakfast, take down camp, hike, have lunch, set up camp when you find your, uh, your campsite, make dinner uh, and enjoy like the outdoors. Uh, yeah. So we were doing all that, but we just didn't have to set up camp every night. And we had the luxury, I'd say luxury, but it was 
you know, nothing fancy. It, it was uh, the, the Airbnb itself uh, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't anything fancy. It, it reminded me of like if a old retired academic like professor were to have like a cottage okay. in a random part of Arizona, like this is where they would be. Um, it was promoted as a um, like a mindfulness kind of retreat. If you're looking to like get away from the hustle and bustle of the okay. city, go stay at this Airbnb. And, and it was exactly that. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was perfect. It, it was everything I wanted. It was just us two. Um, and again, maybe take it with a grain of salt because it was like the first vacation during, during quarantine, during the mm -hmm. pandemic, but it was, it was perfect. Um, and also one other thing I should point out is we did do a little bougie experience. Um, that wasn't, it wasn't all like rustic hiking and, and, um, cottage Airbnb. We did like nice massages on, uh, yeah. New Year's at, uh, um uh a nearby hotel and so that was like really nice and like yeah we got like massages and had some nice. cocktails and like some snacks um to do like a little high low i'm i'm in i'm into these like high low moments of like oh let's have like a really nice bottle of wine but then like order pizza from like <clears throat> joe's pizza or something like that right yeah. um like yeah like let's go hiking and stay at this like really rustic airbnb but then like get like really nice massages and treatments one night um and uh yeah it, it was a it was a simple um <clears throat> a simple vacation but it was great and me i just like love sitting there and like looking out into vast spaces and i did that for like three four days straight um and, and i can't recommend it enough um so yeah that was that was my arizona um oracle arizona again shout out oracle arizona um, you see a lot of stars what, what, out there Oh yeah. In the sky. Yeah. 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 Um, there were a couple overcast nights, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, can't recommend, can't recommend enough. And yeah, trying to figure out how we can get back out to Arizona or New Mexico or, or Utah. Mm -hmm. Utah's another place that I, that I really love. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. It sounds very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here on the hundredth episode of the podcast, uh, which I guess is somewhat, you know, of an early milestone to go from zero to yeah. hundred. Uh, is this in the time that we're going to ask you, ask you some questions and, and turn the tables? Yeah. Well, so I have this Radio DePaul mug. Joe and I used to be co-hosts of a show called The Afternoon Snack with Rich and Joe. And it's my mom calling me. <laughs> do we have a caller on the podcast <laughs> uh yeah i'm supposed to go up to uh wisconsin and tomorrow I'll help out on the farm a little bit but it might be oh, a little nice. rainy so we're we're feeling it out uh it. back to the afternoon snack with rich and joe uh we used to have this show where we'd just play we'd play songs from whatever decade we kind of like come in talking about our weekend what song kind of embodies your last week and we would have certain sections like uh beaver talk and would you rather <laughs> you know just staples of of the show and yeah. i'm i'm curious what recently would be the song that you would play 
to like embody the last week or month or even maybe the yeah. last year? Yeah. Um, I more more recent. I've I was introduced to this like French, uh, like new wave disco soul funk band by um, actually an old friend of mine from the DePaul days, Brandon Loro. Maybe you met. Okay. He was the old DMAC guy. Uh, right. But he came over and we kind of had like a mini reunion, him, Brandon, and then Kevin, Kevin Tracy. And he introduced me to this, yeah, cool uh, French group called, what's the name of them? Panche, P-A-N-A-C-H-E. But they came out with an EP that's like super funky and fun. Uh, I feel like you would really dig them, Rich. What, yeah, what's I'm that? really into like what? new disco, psychedelic yeah. disco is a yeah, yeah, genre yeah, yeah. that I've seen. Yeah, uh, but like sexy French girl singing and, and dancing and just like, as soon as you turn it on, you just like start vibing and like What's, what's it called? And, Pants? Um, I, I'm probably butchering the name because I'm a white guy from the Midwest. Panache, P-A-N-A-C-H-E. Panache, that's it. Uh, I didn't see the other C there. Um, but I would play something from them for sure. Just like, I feel like that'd be right up the afternoon snack alley too. I feel like we were always okay. playing like more like poppy and like fun and, and, yeah. um, upbeat. just like feel good music. Yeah. Upbeat. Um, and, uh, they have like a cool, uh, album art as well. It's like, yeah, I'm looking at the pink, right, and, pink the and yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, really abstract and just funky. And, um, I've been listening to that. It's. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's only an EP, so I'm really excited for like the full album to come out. But yeah, it's just a, a nice little quick hit. And as soon as you turn it on at a party or even just like with a small group of friends, um, you're just gonna like start vibing really, really quickly. Yeah, lately, um, well, I'm a big Miami horror. I got really into Tame Impala this early year. Yeah, I listen sure. to the Slow Rush like every day. I bought it on vinyl. So now I listen to it on vinyl too. Uh, now that like summer's coming up, uh, Poolside is great. Okay. Um, Parcells a little bit. I'm looking at my uh, uh, Justina Wynn, who was on the show recently. A lot of music I get from her. We kind of have similar tastes in music and she DJs. So she's, she's very specific in her like curation of her, her sets and everything. And uh she introduced me to Polo and Pan, uh, La Impertrice. It's a, like a French group house kind of okay. vibey. I love a lot of their songs. It's really cool. Um, I'd play one of those then. So um, nice. Bieber talk. Honestly, I mean, what? Go yeah, ahead, go ahead. Is, <laughs> no, it's just crazy that he's still so relevant, you know? Like, he, he, like, he was so big, out. though. He was, and he still is. Like with yeah. his his new stuff, I mean, I kind of I kind of dig it. Like I really um, haven't listened to a bunch of his new stuff at all. It's catchy. It's a great his is great it? pop songs like Peaches. I think that's the name of it. Like really catchy, really good pop tune, and he sounds good too. Like I feel like his voice has gotten um, a little bit better, uh, and he's gotten more sure of himself and like his tone and his range. He like knows what works and what doesn't work, um, mm. and. Uh, yeah, he's he's married now. He 
Can you? Um, okay. Think about this. What? We were doing the show as college kids. We were like 22. We're 21, 22. We're talking about this like 16 year old who's coming up. So every week we're doing Bieber talk, like what's going on with like this phenomenon that's Justin Bieber, right? So we're growing. And it, can you imagine like he's married before both of us? <laughs> he's like, you yeah. know, it's just so interesting. It's also crazy that we actually did. I mean, it wasn't like a pre-programmed thing. Like one day no. we just started talking about it and then the next week we talked about it and then just kind of naturally became a thing that was just kind of like an inside joke. Mm -hmm. um and then we just kind of grew with it and and went with it um but yeah he's he's just as relevant today as he was 10 10 years ago so props yeah. to him and his team for for staying relevant and turning out like good hits like I, I i don't think he'd be as relevant if people didn't like his music and i know like the pop industry like shoves music down people's throats but um there have been a lot of people that have come and gone and he's he's stuck with it so Shout out to to Justin Bieber, longtime listener of yeah. the Afternoon Snack, and I'm sure he's yeah. transitioned into into rich conversations. Yes, I'm sure he has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we used to do the segment called "Would Ooh. You Rather," and so I have a question for you: a Would you rather question? You have a "Would you rather"? Yeah. Would you rather yeah. experience life on this like social distancing masks? Yeah everything on lockdown, then it's not on lockdown type of thing for the next yeah. five years, but you get to host Saturday night live after those oh. five years, or you have to move out of New York and you cannot visit New York for the next 10 years. I have to move out of New York and I can't visit for 10 years. Yeah. Whew, this is a good one. I can tell some thought went into this. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have I, I have to go with the. That's so selfish, though. Like, if I choose, like, we have to be social distance for five years, <laughs> just so I can fulfill my <laughs> my my dream as a SNL host. I mean, that's I, that's the one that I want to say. But I, it, it's terrible for me to say because that means we have to like live with this for the next five years. But like no one would like die, right, from like COVID. We would just have to like live socially distanced and things like that, right? Right. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like that's that's the that's probably the truth. Like I, I would I would do that and then be yeah. able to host SNL. Nice. That's the dream. It's crazy how. That really, that's like the literal dream. Like I've had dreams where I've hosted SNL. Oh, um, wow. And I like freak out because I forget my monologue or like I miss a beat or, or a, a thing. Yeah. But what's crazy is those dreams have been so, um, what's it called when they're like so real, like a lucid dream. Okay. Right? Is that, is that sure. like what it's, what it's called? I, don't, like I, I hear like lucid dream thrown around, but I don't know exactly what that means. Okay. Well, I don't remember my we'll dreams much, or I don't dream much, sort of. Every every now and again, I remember them, but I know I've remembered, like, I've, I've had a, a couple, I wouldn't call it a reoccurring, but I've definitely dreamt about being at SNL and hosting it to a okay. point where I've woken up and the memories and the feelings 
of hosting have felt so real that I like my in in my mind like I've had those feelings before so like I know what it like feels like wow because I've like mentally experienced it yeah but not physically so not to go down like a crazy rabbit hole but like if you dream something so vividly and you have feelings of having done that like because that's like really like what an experience is it's just like the feeling of it but like if you can mentally experience something like do you physically need to right mm -hmm. so kind of like virtual reality or like total recall you know pick your your metaphor or pick your whatever your sci-fi fantasy um which is crazy to think about like do i need to like host snl if i've like kind of like done it not done it but like i've felt that like yeah. in my in my dream um yeah i don't know i mean obviously i would love to do it so that would be yeah, yeah. i'd want to i'd want to host it but have you ever like dreamt something and it felt so real that you now have a feeling you know what that feels like because your mind tricked you into that experience or tricked you into that um yeah I don't know I I don't do I don't have a lot of dreams when I sleep mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. we just don't remember I don't really remember right? them yeah yeah I get I have dreams about dinosaurs every April which is strange ever since I was a kid I've had like every dreams April? dreams with dinosaurs in them often nightmares uh since I was a kid every April I don't know why Whoa. yeah Something actually, I was, I was looking at something the other day and there are a few things we still don't know as humans. We don't know why we dream and, and like, if there's yeah. any meaning behind them, we also don't know why we need sleep. We know we need it, but we don't actually know why. Why? Yeah. So we, we haven't figured out those specific two questions yet. So why we need sleep seems like a big question. I feel like we would have figured that out by now. You would think this is like the trillion dollar idea or if it can be executed or something. We spend on average like eight hours of sleep in a day. Yeah. Eight hours sleeping, right? Yeah. So then over a lifetime, say 90 years, that's 30 years. Yeah. What if you can produce the effects of sleeping but condense the amount of time. Yeah, to like 10, 15 minutes. So it like, whether it's one yeah. of those like cryogenic, like things that you go into or I don't, yeah. like a pill or I don't know, but I mean, that's something yeah. that would change humanity. You're, if you're able to solve that problem, you're essentially adding, yeah, 30 years to your life. Exactly. Um, which is crazy. I think a lot more people are um, figuring out how to stop aging from what I've been reading. Uh, I think a lot of the tech bros, people out in SF are trying yeah, to figure out are, aging and a cure for it. Biotech revolutions. That's what's yeah. happening now. You know, we've, we're getting <sighs> beyond the point of wars and disease and famine. Now we want to live healthier, longer, happier, healthier, yeah. longer, happier. Yeah. Um, yeah there you go we'll see yeah we'll see mm -hmm. um would you rather okay uh wait i wrote it down 
Okay. Would you rather um, only be able to listen to the Beatles forever, okay. no other music, okay, or um, only be able to read books that you've already read? So you couldn't read new books and you couldn't listen to any new music besides the Beatles. Okay, so I could only listen to the Beatles or uh -huh. I would... I couldn't read any new books. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the Beatles for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I probably listen to the Beatles. It's probably like, probably over 50% of the music I listen to anyways. Got it. Why, why do I need to listen to new music when I can just listen to the greatest band of all time? All the That's time. That's fair. That's fair. But I want to keep okay. gaining knowledge through books. I haven't read enough yeah. books to be satisfied yeah. yet. Yeah. 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 That was Every a lot easier than I thought. When I, when, I wrote that, <laughs> I was, when I wrote that down, I thought it was a lot more, it was going to be a lot more challenging. <laughs> also, when, when you, when you um, frame the segment to the listeners, you, you made it seem like we came up with the concept of like a would you rather. You're like, oh, we did this segment called would you rather. <laughs> um, it's more so we just asked would you rather questions. Right. It wasn't this like this, this unique. I have this uh, groundbreaking <laughs> idea. It's called would you I'm gonna rather. Ask you, would you rather do this or would you rather do that? We're going to call it the would you rather. <laughs> it worked though. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. So we're, we have, this is the hundredth episode. Do you have any mm -hmm. questions for me? <clears throat> yes, Rich. Uh, okay. First and foremost, again, congratulations on triple digits. Um, a feat uh, to be celebrated and applauded and have some, have some whiskey and a, and a cigar tonight uh, or tomorrow, whenever, whenever you can. Um, what I'm going to be in Miami when this episode releases. So I will Ooh, have a nice. cigar and some, some drinks then. Maybe a Cubano sandwich or something. Um, tacos, yeah. burritos, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, what's one surprising thing that you've learned about the podcast industry through your first 100 episodes? Uh, the podcast industry... It's just such podcasting. A, uh, yeah. It's such a big industry now, like over a, a billion dollars. There's something for everybody there. Mm. And I feel like it's more of a like relationship industry. Um, I've known mm. like for me listening to podcasts in the past, I developed like a sense of I develop like a relationship with the host, even though like they don't know me, yep. but every time I, I play an episode, their voice just like soothes me and I feel relieved and like, oh, this is so great. Um, and there's so many different formats and everybody now, it's, it's, you have this billion dollar industry, but the barrier to entry is, is low. So anybody can join. So you have, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, a mom who's interested in like 
crafts and hobbies and she can start a podcast or you have the yeah. New York Times and yep. uh, huge Fortune 500 companies, media companies, they have their own things, celebrities, athletes. Yep. So it has this platform um, and people can find what whatever they want specifically and and there's all different like types there's all different there's like infinite options so for like me uh you know because people you know people have all these ideas about podcasts and like oh what are you gonna do to monetize it and stuff and it's like i'm not that's not what i'm i'm doing here mm -hmm. i kind of model what what i'm doing off of just like the podcast that i like so you know like yeah. a tim ferris or like i'll take uh like interviews and kind of uh, interviews and do it similar to to like tim ferris but i'll structure it in a way like bill simmons and then i'll use this mm -hmm. from dan patrick so all like my favorite mm -hmm. influences i can like put them all together to create my own one and i think that and then that like from the feedback i've got people like the like small and like snackable ones um yeah i do so th there's something for for everybody and everybody kind of finds finds their thing i think um the barrier it's yeah go ahead no you're i think the the biggest point is you figured out, which is, I think, in hindsight, makes so much sense and obvious, but obviously, uh, you doing it on a weekly basis, figuring out that it really is creating, cultivating, and building a rich relationship with, with your listeners. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. If you think of, like radio and some of the oldest and most memorable disc jockeys you, you really didn't feel like they were talking to you right because you yeah. didn't have the visual aid of um even when you 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 watch talking heads on whether it's like espn or like an hbo weekly series mm -hmm. like don oliver tonight um and you also hear the audience or the laugh track right so you yeah. there isn't as that as much as that one-to-one -one. um or even if it's like there is no audience and they're still just talking to you. you yeah, you still just don't feel it, it's just something different to have like somebody in your ears um, yeah. and you feel like they're talking to you. And that's like such a valuable relationship. Uh, yeah. And um, with the podcast that I listen to on a consistent basis, I do feel like I know these people. Obviously, like I know you extremely well, but I feel yeah. like I know you even more after listening to your podcast. Um, and that's that's so powerful and, and makes so much sense. I think uh, something I found is that it's helped me also kind of explore what I'm interested in. Um, I'm mm. interested in so many different things. Uh, and yep. I think that's what's, you know, with podcasts, there's so many different kinds and it's like, some are like super niche and very specific. So people go to that for that specific information. Uh, yeah. And then you can kind of like, I don't want to say like games. No, not, not that. Uh, but it's like 
for me, I just, I'm using it in a way to express myself and, and learn more mm -hmm. and grow. And it takes longer to kind of build that when I'm not focused on one particular category because I just want to yeah. do what interests me. And it's really, for me, a platform to just explore. But when I look back at the episodes, I can kind of see a pattern within these mm -hmm. and what the groove that kind of these are all kind of falling into. Um, so that's mm -hmm. it's kind of surprising to see where I think it's like so it's so general because they're all kind of over the place. But but when I look at it, to me, it there is a pattern. Um, I don't know if other yeah. people see it that way, because, you know, one day we'll talk we'll talk about uh, we'll have Carolina George, who's a young adult author on. And then the next time we'll be talking about the Global Cities Index and things like that. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun to, to explore that. And, um, sometimes it'll be like, ah, I don't know if this fits on, you know, it's something I'm just thinking about recently and it's like, yeah, yeah why not? Why, why not record? Why, just try it? why not? Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. No, that's great. That's so. great. And I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to this, but uh, I'm sure you've you've grown tremendously over these hundred episodes. Um, and that was kind of my second question: is personally, like, what is, is there something that you've been surprised to learn about yourself? Whether it's um, we, we were talking about this earlier, but the reinforcing and understanding that you really don't like the the nitty gritty weeds of like organization of of the data and, and the files or or something even even something larger that uh that was an aha moment what what personally have you have you learned about about yourself um, i would say going back to that a little bit it's like i do see what i'm interested in most i don't see it sometimes big picture wise it's like, oh, I'm really interested in this lately and I want to learn more about that. So I do something on that. But then when you look at the aggregate um, mm -hmm. on the platform, you, oh, okay, that's kind of what I'm, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, you know, um, with the, the like kind of nitty, nitty gritty, let's see. Um, I would say so like learn learning more about seeing what I'm interested in most and just exploring that. Um, the consistency, I would say like I'm pretty critical of myself and like mm -hmm. to me like a hundred's cool, but like, if we're talking thousands, then like a hundred, what does a hundred mean? But, um, I think you yep. learn a lot and grow. And even with COVID, I see, here's the thing. Break it I down. don't know. I don't know how much of my growth is the podcast itself or like everything else. Yeah. Everything else I'm doing and COVID accelerating so much of what I'm doing, you know? So we start the podcast. You were the first 
uh, podcast, like 53, where we decided to put like just a camera. Let's put a camera on it, right? And, and then so now we have this visual component. It used to be, it started, we would just go to like coffee shops with Chicago. Yeah. And it would just be me and the person just sitting across from each other with the, the mics. Then I edit it and then put it up. And then mm-hmm. COVID, now you have Zoom. So now everybody's more comfortable using like remote. But I still love yeah. that in person. Um, so then then it's like, okay, let's, uh, let's just put a, a lot of the podcasts I like. You know, I'll watch some of the stuff on, on YouTube if there's a visual component. I think that's makes yeah. it just a little bit more interesting, even if it's just like one camera. So then we try that. Absolutely. Well, then it's like, well, what if we add another one? Or what if we add another one? Well, now we got a whole mm-hmm. lighting setup, and we we have three DSLRs, and then now we're producing someone else's podcast because they see like what we do, and mm-hmm. it's just like this. It's just I don't, I don't know how much of it is the podcast specifically, or just like everything else that I'm doing, and the, the just reveals itself sometimes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense i yeah, think it some, it's such an easy thing to do or break into um but do you continue like do you have yeah you know do you do you go through that process of getting better and doing it and um you know people are always obsessed about numbers People focus too much on where they are now and comparing themselves to whatever. You're going to compare yourself to a podcast that's been out for like three years. Like, why would you do that? So yeah. when people people like, people like want to know the numbers of the podcast, I'm like, I don't even care about the numbers of the podcast. Because to me, mm. am I getting better? And are the numbers growing? Yes and yes. That's so all that why, matters, yeah. You know, nothing really, nothing else really matters. Um, and everything a lot of it is like tied up with people's idea of money i think a lot of people will want to get into podcasting or whatever it may be because they want to monetize right away and they you know they saw someone else do it on this website and they give you the step-by-step of like how to do it and everything but um i think most importantly is the product itself and the relationships that you have with your your audience and your listeners and i don't think that can really be forced Um, yeah it has to like be earned and yep uh grow over time and i think something that i'm trying to work on is consistency and being more consistent with uh the episodes and and what days they come out and then what type of content comes out on, on different days if i'm trying to monetize it right away or, or something like that like some things you don't do for the money you do it because you want to do it and if you want to do it then you will do what it takes to keep doing it and enjoying it and grow it and um most of the things that i that i do including the podcast are all like long-term moves um, right. not really short term. So it's more about creating an infrastructure and when stuff happens, it will happen. And in the meantime, just keep, keep doing your thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
and I've appreciated that as I've as I've been listening from from day one is you you truly are trying to to see what works and trying all different angles and concepts and it, it's clear that you are fine tuning the product and the product for this is is a podcast right yeah and how, how can you start monetizing something if you don't really know what what that something is just yet if you don't know what that product exactly. is um and so and so i love your approach to that and i i wish more people would take that approach to not just podcasting but but any any project that they're starting out you know don't be afraid to like just start and, and see what happens you can always change it you know nothing's going to be perfect from from the get-go um yeah. and so yeah uh, applaud you again for for putting stuff out there and, and being consistent with it because sooner or later something's going to hit and you're going to find your your niche and you're going to look at the data and you're going to look at the podcast and be like oh i really like this one this one this one um or you can see like which ones are which ones your listeners are grabbing gravitating towards to most and yeah improve from there and only get better so some of the stuff is so like interesting too to see like oh that's interesting. People listen the most on Spotify. Yet when I listen to podcasts, it's Apple Podcasts. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but it's like overwhelmingly more Spotify, and just like yeah. all these little things, and like, oh, that episode did that or that. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just it's so interesting. It's so fun too. Um, what's what's really the what's the? We can cut this out if you don't want to. Uh, to reveal, but what's the most listened to podcast of the hundred? I actually don't know. It's been a while since I looked at. You weren't. Uh, you weren't lying when you said you didn't care about the listeners or didn't care about the the numbers. Yeah, I. I I know on on YouTube, um, my friend Felipe came on. And he's like yeah. the fourth most watched video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I tell him, I joke with him. So, so I go, Felipe, so you're, you're, uh, oh no, he surpassed her. I was like, my most popular episodes on YouTube are you and then, and then Kat Kennedy from NASA. So it's you and someone from NASA nice. that I talk to. Uh, but so it's, you know, this is the podcast and then YouTube is like a whole different ball game. And oh, I bet. it's just like, yeah. so I have this, this motto in my head and that's attack the learning curve. So something that prevents people from starting is they have this idea of like, oh, this is gonna be so hard. I know nothing about it, but I got nothing to do during COVID. So I just, mm-hmm. well, I got to figure it out. Right. So I got to, and it's just like just feeling like an idiot every day and like yeah. being comfortable feeling like a dummy, but you just yeah. have to keep learning about how to do all these different things. Um, so attack the learning curve is kind of what I think about a lot. Yeah. That resonates with me. I, I haven't, I've been wanting to start executing and um, just putting out more like creative work and, in Chicago, I was uh, heavily involved with like improv and that scene and that like really helped me uh, flex my creative muscles. 
And you always want to, obviously, like, it doesn't matter if you're yeah, an, an artist, photographer, musician, improv, podcaster, you always obviously want to be better, right? But yeah. you only get better by, um, you, you get a lot better by just doing it and just learning from mm-hmm. your mistakes. And um, it's really hard to come to terms with like being bad and then learning from that, yeah. right? Um, you have to and, be humble and kind of remove your ego from it and approach it. Yeah you know, objectively. And yeah, it's, yeah. And for those people that can be bad unapologetically and know that they're going to improve and know that it's just part of getting better. um, And and just kind of taking it as, uh, um, yeah, just just understanding it's all part of the process and and kind of leaning it into that and like embracing the, uh embracing the bad embracing the the scrappiness and embracing the growth and uh yeah beginning stages uh, which is really really hard to do i think it's easier as you get older because you've lived through lived through some yeah. shit right and you yeah. have some more experience and you're wiser um and uh but it still is it's still the challenge but um again perhaps for you to making it to 100 episodes because i bet you feel a hell of a lot more confident and uh I've learned a shit ton in these, in these first hundred and here's to another hundred and yeah. a thousand. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and being the, the hundredth episode. Appreciate I'm you. Sure what I'm doing, what I'm doing, raise the roof. It's terrible. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. I'll see you All next right. time. Yep. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving this podcast five stars as it helps others find it. Subscribe if you haven't already. Have an awesome day filled with intention and love.